Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studios, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scales. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, July 21st. It has been a whirlwind of a month. I can't believe it's almost August already. I really just wanted to take a moment right here to thank each and every one of you listening or watching right now. You've all answered the call, whatever it may be. Whenever I talk to potential advertisers, I always tell them that my listeners are some of the most loyal groups of people that exist. And you prove me right time and time again. So thank you for that. It's because of you guys that I get to keep doing this. That said, I have been getting some really good hands of the week and call the floor submissions, but I'm always in need of more. So send those in to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Also, I know I've said this a million times, but I love the feedback. That's how I get better. Give me feedback on everything. What do you think of the podcast? Is there something you'd like to see that's missing? Is there something you wish wasn't there? What about the YouTube page? What do you like or dislike there? What do you want to see as far as more video content? Social media, our merchandise, all of it. 2024 is coming quickly and I want to start the new year off strong. So let me know what you want from me to make that happen. That's all I really have. So let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We are back around the poker table again this week with L. Hey, L. how are you? Good. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. That's right. The days of the week kind of get lost for me now. <laughs> it's just like... Friday is podcast release day and all other days are whatever. <laughs> I know you've been working really hard these last six or seven months. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we can't go much further without mentioning uh, we are back around the poker table. Thanks to Rockford charitable games. And uh, so huge shout out to them as well. I want to, I want to give a number out this week because for guaranteed cash game seats, you need to call uh, Josie, and that number is 815-980-5502. I wanted to mention that because I know, you know, things fill up fast, so... That's just um, their usual games they play, not the yeah. Amy Up Rock for Charitable Tournament that just happened yesterday. Yeah, that's for their cash games. <clears throat> okay, fantastic. But we did have a great turnout. Hello, 50, yeah. over 50 people. 
use the password, the worm. So very exciting. Thank you, Annie Up Nation for showing up. Um, we're still yeah. awaiting results, but super, super proud of you guys. We still haven't got any photos, photos, videos, anything you got from the tournament. We'd love to see it. Uh, and hear from you. So yeah, I did get an email from a gentleman that played in there, and of course Bob Popper sent me a video. Of but course. Thank uh, you, Bob. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was a great turnout yesterday. Final total of those that pre-registered with the link was fifty-five, and so that's that's great. I mean, we're talking about one thirty on a Thursday, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well that's done, huge. well yeah. done. And it always goes to a good purpose. Anytime, Absolutely. You're, anytime you're engaging with Rockford Charitables, uh, you know that you're playing poker for good. Exactly. So also we're back, obviously we're back from Virginia beach. What a whirlwind. Yeah, it was a whirlwind, but that concert was incredible. Chris Stapleton, if you have a chance to see Chris Stapleton live. Yes. Whoa. Snag it. Even if you're in the back row, he sounds the exact same that he does on any recorded, whatever you want to call it, MP3, a record, you know, any way you listen to him, he sounds, I was blown away. I really, I really had, I mean, I was excited, but I don't think I put any expectations on it. And, and he really knocked my socks off if I can show my age with, with that. <laughs> um, I mean, we had a, and, and, Virginia Beach Amphitheater has a super huge, long new name. I think it's a loan company that owns it now, but Veterans United Home Loans Amp, whatever. <laughs> it will forever and always be the Virginia Beach Amphitheater to me. I mean, it's where I saw my first concert a bajillion years ago, but um, they've got that down pat. I mean, you park, you walk in, you go through security boom, you're in to the, to the food and beverage arena, I guess you could say. Super smooth, everybody in a great mood. It's the first time I had been to a concert of that size in a very long time, maybe five to six years. Um, highly impressed with everyone and also just the people who are running the services there. So well done. And Chris Stapleton, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So yeah. really glad we went. The weather was not great driving there. The traffic was horrible. The weather was horrible coming home. Um, but those three hours at Virginia Beach Amphitheater were the highlight of the weekend and super glad we went. Yeah. And it didn't rain while we were there. It's like nope. there was this huge break there for us. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Very, very thankful for that. Um, definitely feeling the effects. If you don't hear it in my voice already. Hit, hit a wall of sickness about <laughs> Tuesday, uh, still in recovery mode, but um, well worth it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we did on our way back, we oh, stopped yeah. off at uh, Portsmouth to Rivers Casino there. Mm. And what a facility they have. It's beautiful. Yeah. Very impressed. You can tell you're at a Rivers property yeah. immediately upon entering. You can tell by the look, by the feel. Um, but very easy to navigate the, I was impressed with just security, extremely welcoming, you know, have a great time. If you need anything, here's where you need to go. If it's your first time, let me show you around or give you some pointers. That's always nice to see. Um, cause those people at the door can be over exhausted from just, you know, the monotony of people coming through the front door. Um, right. really thought, I know this might sound strange, but the noise level of the machines on a Saturday afternoon wasn't unbearable. 
really fun seeing the action around craps, tables, around um, blackjack. Also, Baccarat, of course. I was really impressed with the number of people engaged in that game. Um, the poker room was packed. Yeah. Absolutely packed on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know what the norm is during the week, but we really enjoyed our time. I think we spent, what, an hour, hour and a half there. Um, visit. I got to visit the bar. <laughs> we didn't get to stay as long as we wanted to because those those storms we walked out the door afterward sideways yeah the wind sideways. literally blew us sideways yes <laughs> what happens when you're close to the ocean the the wind is stronger but still i mean we we took one look out the window and we got to get out of here before this gets worse so right. um really hoping to hear back from them and see if we could coordinate a tournament there if you're in portsmouth ask about it if that's your normal uh, poker stop or room mention that you're an Annie up nation member and we would, we'd love to see you and maybe get something going there with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then we come back and the WSOP wraps up. So let's and a visit from my mom. We got to, yeah. we got to, we got to show big mama what, what the WSOP is all about. And that yeah. is awesome. That, that yeah. Awesome. Well, let's let's take that a step further. Rewind yourself back four or five years ago. Would you ever have imagined that you were going to sit down in front of the TV and watch hours, no. uh, hours of just live poker? Absolutely not. You have turned my world <laughs> upside down. But I love it. I really do love it. And I would I, I'm so excited to bring even more of our friends and family into the game. It's been really neat to see. Um, even just in the last two years, how much people are interested in learning more. I mean, we have family poker nights now, which is hilarious, hilarious and wonderful all at the same time. Our friends are wanting to play. Our family comes in from out of town and we have games at home. Um, it's been really, really fun. So no, but I mean, what do I do when we're going to sit for hours? I make a charcuterie board and we killed one Sunday night watching. We did. <laughs> we really did. Um, thank you to Wegmans if you're listening your cheese and salami board that we picked up along the way in Charlottesville because of the storm hit the spot. And for advertising, you can contact <laughs> editor at magazine.com. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was great. Uh, and I mean, honestly, that's the reason that I have been so passionate about this is, is I just, I, always said, I want to bring more and more people into poker. And, and so what better way to, what better way to do that than bring family in as well. So yeah, it's been fun. And, and the, the ease in which people are picking it up in our family has been pretty impressive too. And the excitement that they have for it. Um, I mean, mom felt just as badly as I did that they didn't stop play after four people were around. Oh yeah. That controversy with, with Yachtman. Yeah. So in case you don't know what happened, Jachman, the German, uh, he was, they, they had said beforehand they were going to stop play at four players and they got down to four players faster than they had expected. So they decided to keep playing. Now, keep in mind here, it was what? 11 o'clock, 1130 at night, something like that. So what was it there? Nine, eight. Eight. That still doesn't matter, though. You're in it for the long haul. Any athlete, any competitor has has an end goal in mind. 
and they know that they have to achieve that goal. And when you change that goal on them at the last moment, or you, not the goal, when you change the rule or the ruling, it's going to mess with someone psychologically. And I really feel badly for him. I actually do. I mean, yeah, he was aggressive player the whole time. He was interesting to watch, but I, I honestly do believe that his chances changed because of that ruling. Just my opinion. Yeah. I, I understand. I, I really do. I, you know, I get that. And, and I think that, that you're right. It definitely changed his, his mentality. You could see it um, for 30 minutes. You know, you could see that he was not the same player. If anything, I know he called the floor and the floor yeah. explained it. The least they could have done was give them a 15 minute break. I understand you're live Things happen, but you have that replay available. They're always gathering that footage. I, I honestly believe they deserve something to give them some moment to transition because mentally it's a tough game to play. I mean, they've been playing for eight days already at this point, yes? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and he even said afterwards in interviews, I was expecting to go out to dinner to refresh my mind, to have a good night's sleep. So, you know, give them a break at least. Yeah. I, I think a break, yeah, you definitely could do something like that. But as a poker player, um, or with any sport, and, and and we can talk about whether poker is a sport or not. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, with anything like that, you have to be able to pivot, right? You have to be able to adjust, and so that's just another moment that he needed to be able to adjust, mm. but. I definitely do think it affected him and I hate that, that something as big as the world series of poker, you know, that there's something like that to, to say, Oh, well, you know, if this would have been different, but I just, I'm going to, I'm still going to disagree with you because adjusting it's a competition, right? So you have to adjust to the environment. You have to adjust to your players. You have to, there's so many other adjustments that you're constantly doing. The one consistent thing is what they tell you and how long your end time is. And they changed that. So there's already so many things that you're adjusting to. I really felt like they went back on their word as far as we're going to stop at this point. Yeah. I think that poker is not one of those things where there's a time clock, right? Um, there's, there's not, you there are levels yeah. in a tournament setting. Absolutely. So I think, I think I don't have a problem with them saying we're, we're going to play longer because mm-hmm. otherwise they would have come back the next day and everybody would have had, you know, so many big blinds, so, so much more play in there. But I think that where the mistake was, was more in the explanation the, what they should have said ahead of time, we're going to play down to four people or if that happens really fast, then we're going to keep playing to the end of that level or something to that effect so that they're not, you know, they, they always say uh, under promise and over deliver, right? So they should have followed that scenario where you're, you're not over promising, not saying we're going to stop we have a hard stop at four. It's a hard stop at four or this level. And so I think they learn from this year and say that next year, but they promised and they went back on their, their word. 
So I do think it affected. Regardless, he did an excellent job. Fourth place at the final table in the world record-breaking number that came out this year is still oh, yeah. pretty darn good. And I think he still can be proud of, of how he played. So, you know, Absolutely. I, I do think there's going to be people on both sides of this fence. It wasn't up to us. The call was made. It's the same as when we're watching football in the fall. We don't always agree with the call. We don't always agree with what New York says. However, it is what it is, right? So you have to adjust depending on what's said. So I do understand it from that perspective, but still, well 100%. done, Yachman. Um, Holy moly, congratulations to Daniel Weinman. Love, love, loved watching that. Yeah. And then, you know, not just not just those two, like you have Adam Walton that brought that rock to the table. Uh, right. Cody, Cody Daniels' rock. And, you know, when he got knocked out in third place, then that was handed off to Daniel Weinman, who then took it all the way to that final picture at the end. So, you know, that's, that is huge. And I'm going to talk about that later as well, but, but I just, you know, that's the story that, that I think we should be focusing on, you know, great stories like that it's not even a story. It's a true picture of community. And I think so many of us need to see and hear that that's still actually out there because many of us feel alone and have felt alone for a long time. We've lost our community. We don't see our family or our friends as often. We're starting to get back into that. But um, I think we all can admit and, and agree that that story of community during an exceptional competition time is heartwarming and it's nice to see that people come together in a moment of even competing against each other. And that to me is a huge testament of the poker community and the WSOP um, in general, that they would allow that to be there as the card protector and they knew the story and they continued to cover it. So um, congratulations to all of you who were looking out for one another. We need more of that. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. And, and, I do want to mention also as a side note, uh, you know, if you look up Daniel Weinman on Twitter, <laughs> yes, he this changed his name so much. Yes. <laughs> he changed his name from Daniel Weinman to Daniel Win Main, which yes. is incredible. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant! Who... <laughs> it's brilliant! It's brilliant! Yes. Even if he didn't come up with himself, the fact that he followed through on it. Yeah. Well done. I just want to know if he thought, you know, someday I'm going to win this and that's what I'm going to do. Or if he just thought of it spur of the moment. Daniel, if you're listening, <laughs> let us know. It doesn't matter either way. It was fantastic. So congratulations all around to those that competed this year. We can't wait to see uh, what spurs on for next year. Of course, the event there, it was really, really nice to see Jamie Gold at the event. And he's the one who awarded Daniel Wyman the bracelet. I thought that connection was very thoughtful on the WSOP's part and um, really nice way to, to end the competition. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, you know, there was a little bit of controversy here and there throughout the event, um, but all in all, great job to everybody there with the WSOP. Another phenomenal year, and um, I can't. I'm already looking forward to next year. So, agreed. So, in recap, we've had a fantastic time at Chris Stapleton since we've last been around the table. 
We had ridiculously horrible weather, uh, <laughs> but came home to be able to watch or actually stopped along the way to be able to check in with the Rivers Casino in Portsmouth and then um, was able to come home and watch the WSOP together with our family. Really enjoyed it. It's been a fantastic week and can't wait to see what we've got over the next week. All right. Well, let's touch base again next week then. Sounds good, Joe. It's always good to be around the table with you. All right. You too. And I will talk to you later. Happy weekend. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he's with me again this week. Elliot, how the heck are you? Uh, things are great, Joe. I'm doing very well. It's been a good week. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's, um, you know, the, the weather's been super, super hot. And then we got a big rainstorm that came in that just shut out the power, which isn't, wow. isn't always isn't always a bad thing. As long as it's not like a super extended period of time, I can take some, some quietness for a while. <laughs> as long as it doesn't get too warm. Yeah. But, uh, but other than that, things have been good. Has it been warm up there too? Uh, yes. Uh, it certainly has. It's uh, been peaking into the upper eighties, but it's, uh, we've gotten some rain. It's cooled it off a little. It's not too bad. Good deal. We had a super interesting, or I think super interesting, call the floor sent in by Simon Mendez this week. And I particularly enjoyed it because it wasn't Hold'em. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so this one comes from uh, a 2 5 PLO cash game, which I always enjoy just getting out of that box a little bit. But in this particular case, says on the flop player a asked the dealer how much the pot is and the dealer answers 95 player a then cuts out 95 dollars in chips and slides them in front of him after this action the dealer corrected himself and announced sorry pot is 120 dollars player a now wants to take his bet back and the floor was called. Now, I did reach out to Simon to get clarification on this because it wasn't that he wanted to take his bet back. It was that he wanted to take it back and put out the 120, which right. is I think is important. That's exceptionally important, yes. <laughs> then um, Simon asks the question, if the player didn't say pot, and in this case he didn't, should they be allowed to change their bet? Then I have a follow-up question to that because in a game that's not pot limit, if I was to ask the dealer how, what the pot is, they can spread it out, but they're not going to tell me what's in the pot. So why would that be different in this case? I mean, wouldn't it still be the player's responsibility? Well, there's a lot to unpack here, and, and I'm glad we brought this one up. Uh, uh, thank you. For sending in a non-Texas Hold'em submission, we appreciate. It. <laughs> uh, still waiting for the seven-card stud one, so uh, you guys out yeah. there playing stud, uh, send those submissions in and, and invite me to the game. So let's talk about the actual situation first, then get to the conceptual questions. He asked how much the pot was. The dealer gave him a number. 
he very silently cuts out the number and bets it. Well, uh, the first and basic rule is one bet per action, one bet per turn, one action per turn. Any different way you want to describe it, it's still the same thing. When it's your turn, you have one chance to make a play. When you don't make your intentions clear, the decisions don't go your way. That is the overriding principle. Had the player very simply said, I bet the pot, and then the dealer catches the mistake and say, oh, no, the pot is actually 120, the, the bet is corrected up. He put out chips. He bet. I mean, in, in pot limit, it's very, very common to ask how much the pot is, and for the player to bet less than the pot. Sometimes the player doesn't need to bet the whole pot. Sometimes the player doesn't intend to. In pot limit, it's good information to have, uh, and it's important. And now we'll segue into the conceptual questions. Why are we allowed to announce the pot in pot limit and not in any other game? Well, very simply, unlike fixed limit, where we know the betting amount for every single action, and in no limit, you can pretty much bet whatever you've got up to what you have in front of you anytime you want. In pot limit, the limit fluctuates based on the actual size of the pot giving us the very well-named pot limit. Uh, so obviously with enough bets and enough varying sizes of bets, calculating the pot can be complicated. And at that point, it becomes at least a little unfair on the players to absolutely be able to calculate the pot on their own every single time they make a bet. And if we didn't have the dealer step in and announce the amount of the pot and set that limit, Enforcing the actual pot limit on a pot limit game would be next to impossible. And the overbetting would run rampant, basically turning into a no limit game and, and changing the nature of the game. Uh, pot limit uh, being very, uh, very skillful and complicated compared to the other games. Taking the pot limit equation out of the pot limit definitely changes the game for the worse and, and almost negates it. So it's important in pot limit games for the dealer to be able to announce the amount of the pot on demand. Yeah. I, I mean, I asked the question, but I can imagine where it would just incredibly slow down the game. If you're just constantly going, Oh, let's see that, 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 that's uh, right. such People and such. Amount. Taking off their shoes and, and counting all the way down <laughs> to the all of the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's important for, the dealer to be able to give you the right number. It's also important to make your intentions clear. Uh, had, had the player who asked how much the pot was uh, not decided to go silent and instead announced, okay, I bet the pot. You're taken care of. You've protected your hand. You've protected your bet. You've made your intentions clear. You've done everything that we as operators and as players require of, or at least request of players. And in this case, he didn't. The bet speaks for itself is a, is a pretty important fundamental rule of the game. He cut out 95 and bet it out there. That bet speaks for itself, regardless of what the pot was. There's a lot of situations where people aren't going to bet the whole pot. It's good to know. I mean, third pot, half pot, two thirds pot bets are very common. So again, I, I appreciate the fact that the dealer screwed up. The players are still playing the game. I feel badly the dealer screwed up. The dealer should know how to calculate the pot in a pot limit game. Yeah, that's 
kind of important. Uh, that being said, the players are still playing the game. Uh, right. Players got to be able to pay attention. And at 2-5 already, uh, generally, I mean, uh, that's already the, the second or or third step up in the PLO universe. Uh, generally, a lot of games are 1-2-5 are to come in, 1-3-5 to come in, 2-2, two, 2-3, two, two, that range. No, those are the the entry games for PLO, uh, generally. 2-5 uh, is what is considered the mid-stakes already. If you go to a 2-5 game in a big room or in a medium-sized room, 15 or more tables, and you're playing 2-5 PLO, sitting eight or nine-handed, uh, hopefully eight, Four of the eight, five of the eight, six of the eight are going to be able to calculate the pot every single time and are pretty much, well, sadly, asking the dealer just to be pains in the butt and kneel the dealer <laughs> to make sure they're paying attention, which eh, I see the good effect. There is a bright side. Keeping the dealer on their toes keeps the dealer actively involved in dealing a pot limit game, which is very important. So, again, not speaking when it's your turn is not good. And for some reason, it's incredibly common amongst Omaha players. Uh, when they're playing high-low, uh, the typical Omaha high-low player doesn't be quiet until it's his turn to show his cards at showdown, and then you can't get a word out of him edgewise. <laughs> Will not speak a word. Quiet as a church mouse is the better expression. And PLO players are almost the same way for some reason. It occurred to him to ask how much the pot was, and then it occurred to him to not say a word when he bet. That makes no sense. <laughs> uh, when I play the game, I, I, I play it in a courteous manner, in a respectful manner, and in a way that protects both uh, my hand and the game. Uh, when I make a bet, I clearly state the amount I'm betting. Uh, when I'm raising, I clearly state the word raise. <laughs> uh, it's right. okay to do these things. And when you don't, when, when your intentions are not 100% clear, uh, you will fall to the whims of the rules. And as I've stated many times and will continue to state, it's a very important for everybody to know when, when we are brought to the table to make a decision, we will make the fairest, most conservative possible decision we can that is within the rules and maintains uh, the fairness and integrity of the game. Right. So, I mean, essentially, it is still the player's responsibility to know uh, like you said, you know, they, the dealer can announce what the pot is, but it's still the player's responsibility to, to know what the pot is mostly and put that amount. So if it's, if the dealer says the wrong amount and you put out that amount, then it's still going to stick unless uh, it's a higher amount. <laughs> uh, exactly. And again, this is player responsibility is the key here. It's not just the player's responsibility to know how much it's the key. It's the player's responsibility to make it clear what their intentions are. That, that is even as important, if not more important. Uh, all the player, all the player had to do here was, was state, I bet the pot. And right. obviously the dealer stepped in with the correct amount before the next player acted. So there was no action yet. Had he announced, I bet the pot and placed 95, and then the dealer said, wait a minute, there's 120 here. We're correcting that up. Your intention was to bet the pot. The pot is 120. Nobody has acted. You're betting that amount, period. Right. So, again, not only is it your responsibility to pay attention to the game around you and to know how much is in the pot, which is 
a big part of No Limit Hold'em, and precisely the reason uh, the amount of the pot is not announced in Pot Limit, I mean a No Limit Hold'em. Uh, it's the player's game. The player's got to pay attention. People are putting in action all around the table. It's your job to follow it. If you don't want to follow it, don't. Nobody's making you do it. But it's still, yeah, ultimately the player's responsibility. It's your responsibility as the player to follow the game and to know what's happening. Uh, the player is there to make change and make the game go faster and make the game more enjoyable. And, of course, uh, get the rate for us operators. And we appreciate that. Thank you, dealers. Yeah, it's the player's game. The players are playing each other. They've got to pay attention. They've got to protect their hands, their bets, the game. It's very important. Player responsibility is huge. When players don't want to pay attention, when they want to be spoon-fed the game, when they just want to rely on other people and the dealer for everything, it, it bogs the game down. It certainly makes it less fun. It, it makes the dealer work way too hard and makes it easy for everybody else to shoot an angle or get one over. If the dealer has to invest way too much of their time on any one player, that's time they obviously can't invest in the rest of the people at the table and something's going to go wrong. So it's not fair to everybody else. Right. That makes sense too. Well, Simon, I, I hope that clears things up. I do appreciate you sending in a non holdem game and uh, I'll be looking for the stud hands next. <laughs> yeah. uh, all you guys out there, I mean, there's got to be enough to at least have one full table. So yeah. <laughs> all right, Elliot, I really appreciate you doing this and uh, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Quite welcome. Glad to do it. Talk to you soon. Let's break it down with hand of the week. We are back with another hand of the week. Patrick, how you doing, man? I am good. Joe, how are you, my friend? I am good. We had quite a storm last night. Uh, we lost we power. We did Lo multiple times from what I uh, I was up for a little bit, Got saw one of them flicker for a little, it was like a couple minutes, and then I, I guess we lost power there for a little while. We were asleep for that part of it. It could be worse. We got, we got it back on pretty quick. The guys around here, uh, they, they usually get the power on pretty quick, so that's good. Yeah, except for if you remember correctly, Christmas. Yes. And it was it was 20 degrees. Yes. December 23rd, 24th. Oh, yeah. It was real, real, real cold. Yeah, that is true. But you know what? Other than that. Yeah. But they, they had a lot to work on that one. So, but uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, they're, they're pretty good around here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to play a tournament this week? Let's do it. <laughs> absolutely. This hand of the week is sent in by Nick Dunn. And right. he's playing a $55 daily tournament at his local casino. Cut. So his starting stack is 10K. And Cut. we're at the blind levels of 50 and 100. So it sounds like we're in our first blind level. Okay. He says, we don't have any, any info on the opponent as we have really just started the tournament. So yeah, there you go. Gotcha. We're under the gun. With the Ace of Diamonds, King of Clubs. Okay. Ace of Diamonds, King of Clubs, yeah. under the gun. All so right. you're first to act with a great starting hand and early in the tournament. So how do you start things off here? Uh, I'm betting 500. Okay, so you're going to go five times the big blind. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to set, I'm going to set the tone real early. Great hand early in the tournament. Setting the tone. I'm going to be that guy. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a little high, uh, especially early in the tournament, but, but Hey, you know what? If you, if you set that tone early, then, you know, people are going to respect those raises later. So, so yeah, exactly. Plus, you got some guys. You know, they they've got some bigger. Uh, okay, you know, chip stacks right now. Maybe they're thinking they can, you know, do the exact same thing. And I'm going ace king. I like it. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing I would say with that is, if you are going to open that big, you still have to be willing to get away from the hand later if things go crazy, right? Sure. Um. So as long as you're willing to, to. Uh, release the hand if you need to, then I think that's that's fine. Okay. But uh, Nick, Nick opens to 250, which is probably closer to where I would have been. Okay. And it folds around to the cutoff, who three bets okay. us to 700. So now <laughs> we're right around where you were anyway. So <laughs> it works out. So that guy, that guy's got the same mentality. Uh, well, in that case, then yes, I'm I'm definitely going to call this. Well, you know, yeah, the button calls as well, and the blinds fold. So then you call the 700. I, yeah, I think a call is perfect. I don't think we need to be raising by any means. No. Um, probably looking at small pocket pairs from one or both of them. Uh, yeah, I don't, and I, I definitely don't think you're getting two folds here if you like three bet them or something like that. So no, I wouldn't imagine so either. You know, or especially early on too. You haven't really set a precedent of who you are, how you're playing, or anything like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick goes with the four bet. Oh, Nick puts it into twenty eight hundred. Good. That, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So he goes four times, which is pretty typical to go four times whatever the the three bet is. So yeah. he goes twenty eight hundred. The cutoff then folds, which was that was the original razor, right? Yeah. So the one, yeah, who, was, yeah. the one who three bet us folds, but the button calls. Oh wow! I don't think Nick was wanting that one necessarily. <laughs> But you know, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, that's that's exactly opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I figured the the button would fold and the cutoff would call, but uh, the button that makes me think even more so that he has a small pocket pair of some kind, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't know that I like the play. I I understand it. If we're he if we were heads up, then I think you get maybe a fold. But I don't think you're getting a fold from both players, and that's exactly right where we're at. Exactly what happened. Just not the, not the guy that we were thinking that was going to fold, but which actually kind of makes it even more of a you know a mystery on that one. So exactly, interesting, exactly. And then our flop comes out nine deuce three, all diamonds. All right. <laughs> Here's the good news: we've got the ace of diamonds in our hand, right? Yep. So, what do you what do you, what do you think you're going to do with that? You going to continue to be the aggressor in a case like this, or see if we can peel one? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna back it down a little bit. I'm still again you know playing my hand. So I went you know originally if I went you know five and then called the the seven. If we're you know playing that, I'm probably gonna go. So pot would be. I'm still gonna be aggressive, but not way over the top. I'm probably gonna go seven fifty with my bet if we were playing my hand. So what's in the pot? That, that's what's gonna be about pot? a quarter. You, so yeah. if if we were playing my hand, it would have been five. So it would have been seven and seven. So it would have been like twenty, what, two thousand, maybe a little twenty two hundred, something like that. So as it, right around a quarter of a pot or a little bit more. As it stands with the, with with Nick's, the pot is like significantly six thousand or something like that. It's six thousand. So playing Nick's hand, I'm probably going. I'm thinking a quarter of a pot of a bet is kind of what I was thinking. So I'm thinking something like, you know, 1500, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of the thought process? I think that that 14, 15, 16, even, you know, somewhere in that range, I think is, is probably a good bet. Okay. However, Nick checks. Interesting. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Is that, I, 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 I wonder if that's be well. Oof, I, maybe he wasn't expecting the call in at all. You know, when he came back over with the four bet, he was expecting both the fold, and now doesn't know what to do with it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you got in this spot with aggression. You have the nut flush draw. You've got to. Yeah, why would you? you've got to at least do something there? I, I don't. I don't understand a check at all. Neither do I. But that's what Nick does, and and the big blind checks back. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. This took a complete turn that I never expected. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't like that. Right, I don't like check, that play check. at all. But uh, it goes check check. The turn is the king of diamonds. So we made our all nut right, flush. Well. You gotta love that card, right? I mean, that's that's winner winner. So can't go. I mean, straight flush would be. I mean, that's nothing out there. There's really not nine deuce three, king, all diamonds. Yeah, unless he's sitting there with with pocket nines, pocket deuces, pocket threes. I mean, <laughs> which deal should be good? Um, well, in in this case, I mean, the pot hasn't changed. I'm definitely, definitely going strong here. So the pot was still at six, right? Isn't that what yeah. we kind of determined? Somewhere around that so they six. They went check, check. I'm going I'm probably 3,500. Yeah, I think that's fair. Nick goes a little small, in my opinion. He bets 1,500. Okay. Maybe looking for a call. Yeah. Uh, if it went check, check, I get that. I would have. I, I would. My thought, my thought process is: I want to take. I want to take this pot down. Real. I mean, it's early in the tournament. I mean, I'm. There's a lot out there already. So, for yeah. sure. So. I would have been good with a half pot or even three quarter pot. Okay. We've made the. We've made our hand right. We made our hand. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like we missed some value already by not betting the flop. So yeah, I would definitely want to see us bet bigger here. Yeah. But he bets 1500 and the button calls and the yeah. river 
is the two of clubs. Well, now the board pairs, which is the only scary thing out there. Yeah. But is he really going this far? Is he really going this far with pocket twos? <laughs> no, and maybe not pocket twos, but if he had a set, then now he's got a boat. True. Villain's been all over all over the bet so far, but they've all been small. So what do you, what do you do with that, Patrick? I mean, we've done so he did fifteen hundred, so that's another three, so pot's at nine. I'm still going to be the aggressor. I mean, pots at nine. I'm I'm probably going again. I don't know, f- probably four, forty five hundred. I mean, another half of the stack at least. I mean, I still think we have it. Yeah, the, I mean, again, the only thing that scares us is if he had a small pocket pair. I don't think twos are going this far. You really think nines are going this far either? I mean, it, because he bet so small, then they could. I think, you know, if he would have bet a little bigger, if first of all, if he would have bet the flop and then bet bigger on the turn, then we're, I, I think this hand's over already. Yeah. But here we are. Well, Nick checks. What did Nick end up doing? And so he got scared of the boat. The villain jams the final 5,700 in. So he's got his boat. (laughs) Gross. Or Or at least he's pretending to. Well, we did. I mean, it would make sense to pretend to because we really haven't shown any strength in this hand. Um, yeah, none at all. Um, you, I mean, even if, even with a set, you know, even if he did just have a three of a kind, which I mean, obviously at this point now would be a boat, but even if that wasn't the case, maybe he played ace deuce and has three deuces, you know? Yeah. Even if that were the case, then... I feel like you might be able to try and get him off, get the way Nick played it, get him off of this hand if you're the villain. So, you know, that would be a possibility. But what do you do here? Do you call it? In Nick's position? No. I'm, I'm, I'm looking back and saying, hey, I didn't play this exactly how I probably should have or I wanted to, but I'm living to fight another day. I mean, I, I make him on his boat. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, I feel like you have to. He doesn't really say if this is a rebuy tournament either. Um, yeah. But if it's not a rebuy tournament, then I guess you have to give him credit for for the boat. Gross, just gross. Uh, yeah, that, you know what? That's a great word for it, Joe. Just gross across the board. <laughs> well, what did what did Nick do? So Nick eventually settles on a call. And well, it makes it makes me feel good because I want to know what the guy's got. But what happened? Uh, villain shows pocket nines. Well, that guy's feeling good. Yeah, I mean, again, if we bet flop and, and turn, uh, then we're putting them in the tough spot instead of us. Um, yeah. So they're there's, probably there's folding no before. I mean, he, yeah, he may have. If we bet the flop, he may have called and continued on. But if you bet again, if you bet flop and turn, 
strong, there's no way he continues. No way. Especially because the diamond comes out on the turn. I mean, that makes us. If I'm sitting there with yeah. with with nines, I mean, I'm not. I'm not making that call. But to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, I I I feel like you definitely, especially if you go big, uh, three quarter pot. I think even half pot, you're you're making it not worth it for a call, but. Definitely three quarter pot would have got him off of that hand. Uh, at, at the very least, we would feel good that we got them to put the money in bad, even if they got lucky, right? But yeah. as it stands, we did not play that hand well at all. No. So uh, unfortunately, he did not. <laughs> so Nick, the, yeah, there's there's a lot to be unpacked here. There, you know, there's. There's quite a few mistakes in this hand, I would say, but I would think the biggest, I mean, let's start, let's start at the beginning. I don't like the four bet. Yep. And then from there, I think you've got to be more aggressive on, so too aggressive <laughs> pre-flop and not aggressive enough post-flop. Not aggressive enough. So that, that's, the, I mean, I feel like if, if we play Monday morning quarterback, he calls the three bets pre-flop. Right. Flop comes out. He's got nut flush draw. If he goes aggressive there, you know, half pot at least. Right. Whether we push that guy out after that or not, let's just say he doesn't. Let's say the guy calls. Then you go to the to the turn and we get the the last diamond we need and you go another half pot at that point. There's no way that guy's calling at that point. Or, or if he is, at least, like you said, he's putting in bad money. Right. You know, and then he gets lucky on the river, then, you know, so be it. We wash our hands of that one. But I feel like that's kind of the best way to play it if we're if we're Monday morning quarterback and then looking at that. So, yeah. I mean, tough beat all around. Yeah, that is, that is tough, Nick. But uh, I think for future reference, uh, you know, just continue the aggression. Continue to be aggressive. Once you get to the flop turn, etc., you can't wait to make your hand before getting aggressive. So um, that would be my my advice there. Yep. All right. Well, if uh, if you or anyone else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine dot com, Patrick. Appreciate you doing this again. It is my pleasure as always. Joe, you have a good one, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again here soon. That sounds good. Thanks, Patrick. The question is, how you running? Todd Lemansky is our Annie Up ambassador for LA, and he's joining me here on the How You Running segment. So we'll start with How You Running. Well, Joe, uh, gotta be honest, I haven't played any poker since the last time we talked. However, uh, we are, I am going to the opening day of the Del Mar racetrack in San Diego, uh, on Friday, uh, when today we're recording on Wednesday, but, uh, when the show drops on Friday, I will be watching the horses. So, uh, I will let you know how I'm running the next time we talk. <laughs> All right. You be sure and let me know. <laughs> so. I wanted to have you on because you've got a couple of things that are going on there coming up. So 
Uh, I know it's pretty bang, bang. Like we said, you're going to be off and uh, enjoying the races, but when you get back, you've got a pretty big job ahead of you. So uh, tell me a little bit about what's coming up. I guess you could say I, I'm also running good because uh, I'm going back to work for the first time in a, in a few months. And uh, that's the legends of poker. It starts again today. If you're listening to the, to the show when it drops, uh, we're getting recording on Wednesday, but uh, Friday, the 21st is the first day of the tournament. I will be at the racetrack, but uh, I will start again on Sunday when uh, I get back. But uh, we're kicking it off with a 50K guaranteed mega stack for 250 bucks. Uh, and then there'll also be a survivor that day at 4 p.m., also 250. And then uh, this, I think, is pretty cool. It's actually my idea, uh, humble brag. <laughs> but uh, on Friday and Saturday at 7.30, we're doing uh, mega satellites 1 in 8. Not a 1 in 10, but 1 in 8. And uh, not just one seat, you'll actually win two $560 seats. So one in eight players for this uh, $170 mega satellite is going to win two $560 seats for any event and during the Legends of Poker, including the first 500k guarantee, uh, which will start on Sunday the 25th. Wow. The other thing I think is kind of cool is uh, on Saturday at 5 p.m. we're running a win the button tournament. So if anybody's ever never played a win the button tournament, it's a lot of fun. You win the pot, you win the button. That is cool. I've... I've never played one, but I have watched a couple of them, and I think it adds kind of another element, you know, adds that one more element where you're trying to not only win the pot, but you want that that button on the next hand. So I, I think it's definitely cool. Definitely drives the action. And then also think about this is usually yeah. you don't want the aggressive player on your left, right, because they're going to be three-betting you and they're going to have position on you all the time. But if you have the aggressive player on your right, you're going to be in the small blind a lot more often because the aggressive player is going to win the button, so you're going to actually have to fight back. But the flip side of that is then you're going to have position on them at least, uh, you know, for some of the hands too, you know. But I don't know. I just I, right. I've always right. uh, I've dealt a couple of these uh, over the years, and uh, it's just a really cool dynamic i think for a tournament especially for like a saturday night like uh fun style tournament not like super serious and um you know so i'm glad that we're finally running not one but uh, i was just looking at the schedule before we hopped on here and we're actually running another one on saturday the 19th at 5 p.m as well so we're gonna have a couple different window button tournaments so if you never played one i highly recommend it they're a lot of fun and only 250 bucks yeah and so we talked about this before. The the craze has been these mystery bounties. Do you have one of those? We do have a mystery bounty as well. Uh, it's going to be on. Uh, it's going to start on Monday, August fourteenth. There's going to be two flights at eleven and four. Actually, excuse me, three flights. Eleven, four, and two, and it's going to be quantum style. So um, the eleven and four o'clock flights are five hundred and sixty dollar entries. So if you win the satellite, you get a couple of bullets for that one. Uh, the two o'clock flight are 300. So we got uh, three flights on Monday, three flights on Tuesday. Day two is going to be on Wednesday, the 16th at noon. There's a $150,000 guarantee, and uh, the big bounty is going to be 25k. Wow, wow. See, we've talked a little bit about these quantum style tournaments there, and and I don't know if they're primarily a West Coast thing, but you don't see them too much over here on the East Coast. Tell everybody a little bit about how the quantum style 
tournaments work? Um, yeah, the reason you don't really see them anywhere else is because uh, our tournament director is the one who created the format, and he actually owns the uh, trademark go. and the patent on it. So if anybody runs a quantum style tournament, he actually does get like a like a commission on it. So we do. We have had uh, we've had some here where we did like the Southern California Poker Championship. I think is what it's called several years back, and um, we had. Casino. We I think we had the commerce, and we had the gardens, and we had uh, the bike. We had a couple, one or two uh, casinos from San Diego, and everybody joined in on day three. So it was like a big, huge tournament, and the winner also got like a Mercedes. So. But um, <laughs> they they mainly run at the bike, and but they they do have some at Ocean's Eleven sometimes, and also uh, occasionally at other casinos. But uh, yeah. They're they're mostly a bicycle tournament. They're kind of like our calling card, so to speak. But uh, to answer your question, the idea is that there are multiple buy-in levels. So, um, for instance, uh, our first quantum will start on Sunday, my first day back. And um, we have $300 flights and $560 flights. And that's for day one, and then a certain percentage will advance to day two. And in this particular tournament, uh, it's going to be the smaller flight will start with 25k in chips, and 10% will advance to day two. The 560 flight will start with 50k in chips, and 20% will advance to day two. So you're paying, you get twice as many chips, and twice as many people go forward on the on the higher buy-in. And then, if you are somebody that doesn't play that low or you just want to uh, save time you can buy directly into day two for 2100 and you'll get 250 chips which is the chip average if you do the math uh, 10% of a 25k starting stack or 20% of a 5k starting stack or a 50k starting stack excuse me so you start with more chips and your blind levels are the same right so the blind levels on day two actually roll back so, uh, okay. so day one, you know, they might finish at 8,000, 16,000 or 6,000, 12,000, whatever, whatever it is. And, uh, the day two starts at 2,000, 3,000 because the day two buy-in with the average stack is going to always have around 66 big blinds. Gotcha. That's... So if you're buying in for 300 and you're paying... I don't know what the uh, what the rate is off the top of my head, but you're probably paying like fifteen or twenty dollars to the staff, and you know, like thirty-five or four thirty-five dollars or so to the house. Um, you're basically getting a three and a half day tournament for sixty sixty dollar rate, which is which is a really really good value. Yeah, yeah. You, you pay a lot more than that for to get a three and a half day tournament at the World Series, and you're not <laughs> going to get one for for $300. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that's, that's super interesting. Like I said, you know, you don't see those over here and, and now it makes sense why, but, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to get you down a rabbit hole there, but that's, that's just a really interesting, <laughs> interesting tournament style to me. I think there's a lot of advantages to buying into day two, but not everybody has, uh, can, you know, is, buy, is playing 2000 $30,000 tournaments. Only the people that normally play those tournaments are going to be the ones buying in the day two. Right. Another interesting thing about the quantum and the day two buy-in is that uh, you get paid out at the end of day one if you play day one. 
but day two, you're not in the money anymore. So on this one that is going to start uh, this weekend, uh, if you advance to day two, you're going to get paid 500 bucks. Now, when day two starts, they're going to take all of the players that made it, you know, to day two, plus all of the day two buy-ins, whatever that total number is, we're going to pay one third of the field. So you're not in the money when day two starts, but we take, we pay the top third of the day two field, which means, and this is another unique thing about the quantum is if you buy into day two, you actually start recouping your money at a third of the field as opposed to 10% of the field or 12% of the field, which is what you usually do. Now the catch is, is that you're not going to recover your entire buy-in because the, the, the day two payouts are going to start at like $750, $800. But you're going to recoup some of it, which is doesn't happen in any other tournament. I was going to say. You're going to recoup your whole day. Yeah. You're going to recoup your whole day two buy-in when you get to about 10 to 12% of the field. So in that regard, it's the same as a normal tournament if you buy into day two. But you just have the opportunity to recoup part of your buy-in along the way. Right. It's almost like when you're you're playing a tournament and you – everybody pitches in a little bit to give the the bubble some money it's almost like that you're not going to get all of your money back but you're going to at least have some of it back which in a tournament is huge yeah. or even uh, a bounty tournament if you get a bounty or two along the way sometimes you've already you know like yeah part of your buy-in that way as well yeah absolutely so it's so what other what other tournaments do they have that are uh of note uh, well, I should I should note that the uh, the winner of this 500k guarantee that starts on Sunday will also get a, a WPT championship seat. Oh wow! Um, which does remind me, normally Legends of Poker is a WPT event. This is uh, the first time, and I don't know how many years, definitely since I've started working at the bike, and my first my first event at the bike was in 2015. Um, that it's not a WPT event. Basically, the reason is is that the, that the casino uh, got new owners. The Bicycle Casino is now officially the Park West Bicycle Casino. So we've had like new owners for, I think, like about the last year or so, year and a half. And um, they're basically just doing a lot of remodeling. And so they were doing remodeling. They weren't going to be able to get the, uh, the benefit of all of the, all the added table games uh revenue by paying the WPT franchise fee or whatever you called it that you have to pay to, to host the WPT event. So no WPT because the casino didn't want to, to fork over the money this year because they're remodeling. So, so is the plan is for it to be a WPT event again in the future, just not this year? Yeah, basically. Um, we, 100% is going to be, the, the WPT Legends of Poker will be back next year. That's already been confirmed. It's just this summer was, uh, they just, we normally have a summer series that got canceled because they were remodeling. And this is basically just the summer series moved over into August when Legends of Poker happens, you know, like in that, you know, uh, with the exception of these day two buy-ins, all of our buy-ins for the tournaments are going to be in the, in the 250 to you know, like $500 range, like the vast majority of them. Uh, not counting the day two buy-ins for, for sure. quantums, but no, no, no 10k, no 5k, no 2500 PLO, no, <laughs> you know, no, no $2,200 horse, none of that stuff that we might usually have with the, with the WPT, which is 
unfortunate because I always enjoy, you know, working the WPTs and, you, you know, you, you get the cameras and all the faces coming in, you know. There's definitely people. There's a lot of poker pros live in Vegas that will be at the Legends of Poker that are obviously not going to come this year because there's no uh, there's no big buy-ins. But, right. I mean, at the same time, if you're uh, the average anti-up nation player, then uh, that's good news for you because these buy-ins are right smack in the middle of your wheelhouse. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a double-edged sword. It's it's a good thing and a bad thing. But... Yeah, I mean, it, such is life. I mean, everything. We can always find the silver lining to everything, and we could always find a reason to complain about something. If we're really, if we're <laughs> sure. Enough, right? so, it is what it is, but uh, the mini Mega Millions is back. The, the first Mega Millions was... Uh, back during the uh, World Series of Poker Circuit event in March, and uh, now we're having the second installment of the Mini Mega Millions. So that's that's another one of the marquee events here. Um, so even though we've got low buy-ins, there is a chance to win big money. So the Mega Million, Mini Mega Millions, again, has a $1 million guarantee. It's going to run from Tuesday, August 1st, and day two is going to be on Tuesday, August 8th. And actually, this is a first for us. There's going to be two different day twos uh, on this one. And it just has to do with the space involved because of the remodeling. We're, we're not at our full capacity of like tables that we normally have. Okay. So, so on our day two, like we usually have 45 tables in the event center and day two, we might end up having like, you know, 50 some, and we have to start on the other side of the casino and break down into the event center. Well, they're remodeling. So we don't have that luxury this time. So we have to have two day twos instead. Okay. But uh, for anybody that's going to buy into day two, that gives you two opportunities to buy into <laughs> day two instead of just one. And uh, another little uh, hint, I would say, or hack, I don't know what you'd call it, a little tip of mine from having worked a lot of these. Uh, I would say probably the best value, in my opinion, um, for any of these quantums is to actually play the mega satellite that happens the day before day two. So in this case, for the mini mega millions, uh, the buy-in levels are 200 and 380. The mega satellite is 340. So you're, you're cheaper than, than the uh, bigger buy-in. But if you get the seat, and the top 20% get a, get a seat on this one. And, uh, you're going to start with that chip average. So you're going to skip day one and you're going to start with the chip average versus going through day one. The chip average is obviously the chip average, but we know that the chip average is usually figured out by a handful of monster stacks added to a whole lot of beta short stacks is typically, if you look at the comeback <laughs> list for a day two, there's like a handful of monster stacks and then there's a ton of people that have less than the chip average, which is why I think starting with the chip average is, is, is uh, such a good value, such a good, uh, it's a good move, I guess, is what you say. So Yeah, absolutely. And um, normally, in this case, for the mini mega millions, it's a little different. But a lot of times the, uh, the mega satellite one, it, the mega satellite is going to be about the same as... Uh, buy-in level as the uh, lower buy-in usually is so, so then you're getting in and and uh, if you if you're somebody that uh that values your time i guess then you know mega satellites over and you 
know, five, six hours versus day one flight is eight or nine hours usually of play. And like I said, uh, you're guaranteed, if you make it through, you're guaranteed to have that average stack and as opposed to like maybe you start day two with, you know, a short stack and just like a handful of big blinds. Yeah, I, I actually love that. So I'll be interested to hear how that goes. So well, you'll have to jump back on here and, and let me know how these tournaments go. Oh, there's just one more thing I want to say about that that I, that I should mention in all fairness when I'm talking about the satellites. Yeah. The advantage to playing the day ones is, uh, so for this, so for the 500K that's starting on Sunday, uh, you advance the day two, you get $500. If you double bag, you're going to get $2,500 for that second bag. So you're gonna get the five hundred that you would normally get, plus you're gonna get the two thousand dollars. You basically get two thousand dollars for every bag that comes out of play. So that's that's another thing about the about the quantums, and that is actually the reason to play day one is to try to try to double or triple qualify and get that bonus. So in the in the mini mega millions, if you advance to day two, you can get three hundred fifty dollars. If uh, you double or triple bag, you're gonna get sixteen hundred dollars for each additional bag. And then uh, for the Mega Millions, Mega Millions 25, $1.5 million guarantee that's going to close out the series uh, starting August 24th. If you advance to day two, you're going to get $600. If you qualify more than once, you're going to get $3,500. Wow. So you're, there's, there's some definite... There's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, you can, there's a, lot, there's a lot, of, lot of different ways to skin a cat when it comes to a quantum, just to, to wrap up that whole... Uh, that whole question that started off the conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of equity in there, though. So there, there's a lot of money to be made, for sure. And and I know you're on a, a tight crunch. So uh, what else What else you got going on there? Well, I guess I'll just give some shout-outs uh, since uh, I guess the World Series is, is pretty much coming to a close at this point. But uh, one of our regular players, Mike Eskandari, um I, I mentioned this in the magazine, my article for the, this month in the magazine. Uh, he'd placed 59th in the Super Seniors event. But since then, uh, he final tabled the 5K No Limit Hold'em event number 94. So I uh, wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah. Then, Congratulations to him. Uh, Chino Reams also from uh, from LA. And he, he, had like, he had like some good runs too, including uh, a final table in the 10K Study Championship. Uh, Maria Ho had a couple deep runs, 17th in the No Limit 6 Max. No, shout out to, to Maria too, because she did a great job commentating as well. She was on some of the live streams commentating and, and even the final table there. She did a great job. Yeah, yeah, most definitely I agree. And I got to say, I, I'm a fan of Maria Ho, not only poker, obviously, and, you know, like L.A., but... Um, you know, she was famously on The Amazing Race, which was one of my <laughs> favorite shows. One of my favorite, one of my favorite yeah. game shows. Um, Adam Swan, I put this in the magazine. Uh, it's in this month's issue of the magazine. He final tabled two freeze outs, a 1500 and a 2500 freeze out. Uh, event number 28 and event 19. And then uh, Daniel Alahi finished 10th in the 50K Poker Players Championship. So I wanted to give him a, him a shout out too. These are like just some of our, some of our LA players. Yeah. You know that uh, made like really deep runs in the World Series, and we just want to give them props. Yeah, I'm glad you did that because it's important that they get recognized as well. You know, we tend to focus on 
that bracelet winner. And I think there needs to be some, some mention of those that go deep because it's not easy. These are big fields and, and against really tough competition. So great job to them. Especially that 50 K that 50 K PPC is like, I mean, that's the real, like, I mean, the, that's the, the chip Reese yeah. trophy. That's the one that Doyle said. That's that, that's like, okay, the main events hold him. He's like, but whoever wins that 50 K PPC is like, not only do you have to be proficient and lots of different variants of poker, but especially nowadays in the modern era, you, you are literally playing against the best players in the world. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of that event is kind of what sealed I think Brian Rast's Poker Hall of Fame uh, nomination, or not nomination, but uh, election. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's right. He made it. He he made it in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's won that event three times. So uh, well deserving. So uh, the only other thing is after Legends of Poker wraps, uh, Legends of Poker is going to wrap on September fourth, uh, a couple days prior to that. Commerce Hold'em Series is going to start on September 1st and run through September 24th. So, anybody in LA that's looking to play tournaments, you got uh, a lot to choose from for the next two months. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> actually two months plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I want to get you back on, you know, when we get kind of toward the end of of the legends, and then uh, before the commerce starts theirs because I just want to talk about some of these and see how they ran and we can talk a little bit about the commerce series and, and what's going on there. And, and for all the mixed game players, uh, I mean, you and I, especially or yeah. the fans of the mixed games, uh, we, we do got some heroes or I actually hate that they call it heroes horse, the horse tournaments, even though they played as heroes now, <laughs> is the, even though, it's misspelled. That's one of my main gripes about about it is that H E R O S is not even actually a word, whereas horse was. But right. uh, you know, O eight, O eight, stud eight, splits. You know, um, just there, we we got a lot of mixed games to choose from in the Legends of Poker too. I didn't mean to to overshadow those with all the talk about quantum's and hold'em tournaments. So we got we got something for everybody. Yeah, good deal. Like you said, those those are the games that really. You know, after you've you've kind of played Hold'em for a long time, you you really start to find your interest in these other kinds of games. So I'm glad that there's some of those as well. It's always been my opinion that the mixed games are ultimately what's going to sustain poker in the long term, right? Yeah. Because at some point in time, you imagine the Hold'em bubble might burst, and and it, you know, like most people that that started playing poker we started playing five card draw with pennies and you know, kitchen, you know, so <laughs> exactly it's not just about holding it's about uh, the sustainability of the game in the long term yeah i think i cut my teeth on uh seven card studs so you know i love the draw games those yeah are, those, those are my favorites so. all right todd i appreciate you joining me again this week and uh we'll talk when we get toward the end of the series all right always a pleasure joe talk to you soon all right and uh shout out to the Annie up nation Yes. Good luck at the races, by the way. All right. Yeah. That's. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but that's. This is my. This is my race. My race day hat. That was, that's <laughs> what I put it off today. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Joe. All right. It's time for Joe's one Well, the main event's over.
Daniel Weinman, or as he changed his Twitter handle to be Daniel Win Main, is the champion. Anyway, it was a fun main event, but everyone seems to be caught up in the was there a deal or wasn't there a deal. Bottom line is, Weinman ended up as the main event champion. Period. He bested the largest field in main event history. He has the bracelet. And he will have the banner. The story I want to focus on is the little object in the winner's picture right next to the winning hand, a little piece of pyrite. Cody Daniels, a 28-year-old terminally ill player from Arizona, brought that rock to the main event. That trip to the main event was made possible when MJ Gonzalez and Casey Coughlin put up $5,000 each to put Daniels in the record-breaking event. And when Cody Daniels was eliminated on day four, in 635th place, he won $30,000. Then he passed on his lucky charm to the one that knocked him out, Raj Vora. Vora carried it all the way to 36th place on day seven, where he was eliminated. At that point, the story of Cody Daniels and his fool's gold had made its rounds through the poker room, and when Vora was ousted, the rock continued on to Anirban Daz and then Adam Walton. Walton managed to get the rock to the final table before running his pocket eights into Weinman's pocket aces. Weinman took it the rest of the way. Now, when Daniel Weinman's banner is hoisted, there on the stack of chips next to the winning hand will be a little piece of Cody Daniels forever. Who cares if they made a deal or they didn't? The fact that a little piece of fool's gold will be on the walls of the WSOP to always remind us what is truly important. That's what we should be talking about. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Annie Up Podcast is a production of AnnieUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.